Welcome to the number one podcast, where we give you an authentic look into the world's healthiest, wealthiest, and most inspirational minds. We talk about trending topics, bold ideas, and give you real-world examples that will inspire you to take massive action to become the number one version of yourself. Welcome back to the number one podcast in the world where we talk about trending topics, ideas, and everything else. Uh, it's going to be a special episode. I have my mentor, friend, Quick Step. Uh, also joined by my friend Paolo, uh, met recently from Italy, both in the breaking world. Uh, really today we're going to be focused on Quick Step. I invited Paolo on uh, because he's in town and why not have him? Uh, great guy to have. Uh, but really going to dig into Quick Step's life, uh, the foundation of Full Circle, which is uh, a b-boy crew, a breakdance crew. We'll probably break down some some of the, the lingo that we use, the verbiage that we use in our community, uh, so you all uh, can understand, because we really want to bring you in. Uh, but then mostly focus on, you know, what Quick Step is doing uh, in the past and really what you're working on now. So, welcome, Quick Step. Oh, and also, uh, Paulo, uh, want to bring you in uh, your life background as well. So, uh, well, let's go around, uh, Quick Step. Want to introduce yourself? What's up, y'all? So, um, yeah, my name is Quick Step, known. Uh, locally and internationally as a breaker that has, uh, you know, never stopped. Um, I started breaking in 81 influenced by what was happening in the seventies and, um, you know, <clears throat> breaking died, uh, or had a dark age in 85. Like it's almost like the dinosaurs, like a meteor came and it was wiped off the map of the earth. Gone. Wow. It was gone. And, um, I, I saw it happening, but I, I couldn't really believe it. Um, people, I'll give you an example. So a friend of mine went to Puerto Rico <clears throat> for the whole summer in 85, came back the next summer and breaking was gone. He was like, I, you know, what happened to breaking? And everybody just moved on to what they call freestyle hip hop. Mm. Like at the so time. So what was that at the time? Or I guess you Yeah, yeah. They were, they were doing like um, the Running Man, Cabbage Patch, the RoboCop, uh, the PB Herman. It was just, you know, socialized dancing as black people do. We just create. Yeah. Um, so what really happened was breaking got so commercialized that <clears throat> we almost didn't recognize it anymore. So we moved on and the media called it breakdancing. Mm. And with, we're like really opposed to that, probably because the media came up with it, but the name makes the most sense. It's like ironic, right? right. Like, we don't want to use that name, but it's breaking and you guys are dancing. Yeah. But really it's called um, b-boying, breaking, boy yoing going off, yeah. getting down. And um, really this form of dance and the way we get down with this dance is really Afrofuturism. When you look at mm. it, it really is way ahead of its time. And the fact that it's going to the Olympics in 2024 is actually late. We had that thought in the eighties already yeah. of, it, of it competing with what was already in the Olympics, because it speaks for people that have created something out of literally out of nothing. And the Olympics is about bringing people together in their best competitive state. And when it comes to hip hop, that's what it's really about. Your best competitive state, whether it's on the mic, on the wall, on turntables, on the floor. Yeah. I'm really going to have to I'm gonna add in some clips, some special clips for the editor here to kind of show the state of breaking today. When you talk about like yeah. the moves that, young people are continuing to create, but I, I should also mention that I'm also going to find some old clips. Um, some of these moves people have been doing for like 30 years, yeah. right? Like yeah. air flares, crazy moves. Uh, so people are pushing the limits, but some of these, these foundational moves have been around for a long time, but we'll dig into that. Yeah. Uh, Paolo, welcome from Italy. Thank um, you, man. So what's, uh, yeah, introduce yourself, say whatever you want about yourself okay. and we'll, we'll jump in. My real name is Paolo and I'm known in the Italian breaking scene as Frigo. That is my artist name. And uh, I come from Senigallia. That is a very small town in Italy, about 60,000 people. Okay. Where I grew, I born and grew up there and I started breaking in 1995 when I was uh, 14 at that age. Mm. I was totally hooked up with the, the energy of this discipline and there was something really new in, in my area. And uh, I started over there with a lot of difficulties because we didn't have a lot of references about what we were doing. Uh, but after that, start growing, growing, growing. And uh, yeah. basically today I still enjoy this discipline and uh, 
It's a great journey to to share with people. And after I start traveling, I learn a lot more and uh, brings me to you today. So that's the coolest thing about it. I mean, we have yeah. a few generations of people here, uh, b-boys here uh, in your 50s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. Um, you know, and now we're all friends chatting about, you know, the history of this, this thing and yeah. just hanging out in general. So that's, I think that's the coolest thing about breaking is um, we're all participating in the community, uh, this one community, uh, even though we're, we're maybe, uh, you know, in different generations, which I don't think is the same for a lot of different activities that people yeah. do. Yeah. Um, really quickly though, what, what was, what was the reference that you were using when you were first coming up? Like what, what did you look to, to actually learn? Um, first of all, I met with a few guys that in my hometown already start breaking yeah. by like self thoughts, watching videos mm. that were like a few years older than me. So, uh, I saw them like, uh, my superheroes that time. Yeah. And, uh, I definitely want to be involved in that and learning and uh, at that time we had a contact with uh hip-hop pioneers in italy that was dcas is his name and he started by self-taught in 84 in 84 and uh, he comes from uh, pesaro that is a city 30 minutes uh, from senegalia and uh, we start uh, meet with him uh, that was our reference Gotcha. After, after that, um, he was the person that like bring us vi the first videos of the international jams like uh, Zurich, uh, Road Fabric in uh, 94, that at uh, that era was like uh, uh, something yeah. alien <laughs> to what, see. What year did you, because uh, you reached out to Quick originally, I, I right? What, what year was that when you went in, over to uh, 2011. Okay. Because uh, I was really, uh, I, I, I saw him live first time when I was at Battle of the Year 2004. Four. Four. 2004. Okay. I saw him, his performance, and I, I felt that he has something special. It's dope. And uh, in 2011, uh, I planned a trip to New York City with, uh, with my friend Collo, and uh, we were searching for quick and uh, I wrote him on Facebook and say, listen, I, I introduced myself and I say, I would like to learn more about what you're doing. And uh, cool. we started we like, <laughs> like, 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 started like a workshop, yeah. but we, we knew better each other and uh, we became yeah, there's, there's so much we could talk about it, like yeah. how the, how our community works. Um, really what I want to call out there for, for you all watching this is, you know, it's, it's really in our scene, like people will seek <coughs> out if there's someone that you either want to battle, learn from, be friends with, cause you think they're dope. Um, you don't think they're dope. Like it's very common for people to actually seek out, uh, the actual creators or, or leaders in this dance, you know, quick step being one of them. And that's exactly what Paulo did. You know, yeah. he said, Hey, I think you're dope. I'd love to learn from you. And so came to New York, uh, to find that, um, and quick step being the type of guy he is, um, you know, always, always willing to teach people and help. I know that's an important thing for you, but let's start from the foundation of full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, feel free to interject, whatever, whatever else, other topics in the John yes. over there, but let's, let's just start from the beginning. Um, yeah. So what I'm going to bring a couple of notes that came to mind. <clears throat> So I'm a foster child, right? Yeah. Now I'm an adult that was fostered through a particular system in New York City. At the time, the system was broken, still broken. Mm. Um, so as a young man, I saw, you know, life for a shorty shouldn't be so rough, right? Is a quote in the hip hop lyric, right? And that's what I felt at a young age. I'm like, yo, why has it got to be so rough? You know, mm. what can I attach myself to? that can really take me through everything that I'm going through right now. <clears throat> Being a foster child in New York City is no joke. And at the time in the seventies, you're talking about burnt buildings. It looks like a third world, world war fallout. You know what I mean? Blocks and blocks of buildings burnt. But as a kid, it's like a playground. Yeah. So my playground was literally a junkyard. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
on top of that, the psychological, physical abuse that you go through, not even going through as a child, just as an adult, anybody that moves to New York will tell you, oh, it's psychological warfare. Right. You have to really be focused to get your job done. And as a child, when you're on the streets, that's tenfold. So what came to mind is discipline. So I was being disciplined in one way, which I knew was like abusive, but I looked at something that was disciplining me in the streets. And the first thing I started with was tumbling, right? In the streets of New York City, stickball, handball. Um, you know, if you had a bike, you had to put it together because you couldn't afford one. But the discipline it took to put a bike together from junkyard parts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's when you look at yourself, you're like, yo, I have a talent. You know what I'm saying? Then you have not your crew yet because you're young, but you have the kids from the block that become your family. And then together you're witnessing something on the rise. So you watch the block parties, the park jams, you hear this music and you see something bubbling. And as, at a young age, I knew it was something special. I yeah. put my finger on it, but I was like, yo. And the first time I saw what I didn't know was breaking, but I saw somebody go down and do what they call helicopters, which is not windmills. It's, you know, hit one event and the other one sweeping under you. Yeah. I saw that. I saw people doing splits. I'm like, I want to do that. Now, before I did that, I always needed to escape. So I was into movies and I was into dance. So one movie that influenced me to be able to escape was called Night of the Living Dead because I love zombies. Mm, classic. Right? And yeah. I felt like I was dead to the world because nobody would hear me. So I was like, why not act like one? Yeah. Then I saw the robot on Soul Train, funky. <laughs> like, I want to do that. Yeah. So I had two ways to escape already when I wanted to get off this planet. Then when I saw tumbling and these acrobatic moves on the floor, I was like, I want to do that too. So when I saw these helicopter moves, let's put that there. I kept on doing a robot. Um, I would perform for people in my living room, you know, or people of the Aphrodite's lineage. If you know how to dance, your mom was like, dance for auntie, dance for your uncle. They put you right in the middle of the living room. Had no choice, but I had fun doing it. So that's in the time capsule, right? So I'm going through these different families, but in my mind, I still remember this, these moves that I saw. Fast forward to 1981, I'm in Washington Square Park by myself skateboarding. I see people breaking. I'm like, yo, that's the advanced version of what I saw back then. Right. So when I saw, when I saw the helicopters, it was in 78. 1981 is when I really saw breaking as a full of potential with the breakbeats and people really vibing. And you can see it was the culture and the discipline I knew it took discipline to do that. And I'm like, put me in that. And I was already in gymnastics. So I was like, all right, we're going to do that. And I started to meet people. Because I was a shy kid, I couldn't really talk. I used to mumble and stutter. When it came to dance, I was free flowing. And through dance and meeting other people, I learned how to talk. I learned how to articulate. And that was my journey into becoming a young man who felt like he was an urban samurai. Yeah. New skills. So... Picture the first 50 years of Kung Fu. To me, the first 50 years that we're in and breaking is where we're at, where Kung Fu was in its first 50 years. And like the maturity of the dance and the culture. And the maturity, disseminating power, where it's going commercially, where it's being sustained culturally, who you're building relationships with, and what legacy are you leaving behind? Right. What's funny is you talked about, uh, you said earlier how it died. And uh, I can't remember the exact history of martial arts. I'm not going to act like I do, but I knew, I know that there was a period where, uh, martial arts literally went through the same thing where nobody really wanted to learn it. Mm -hmm. Like the, the traditional aspects of it, uh, nobody really cared about. And so it was hard for people to continue that, that practice. Um, like getting new students was really difficult. Uh, then there was a, a resurgence basically, which is kind of what we're in now. I, I've been in resurgence and breaking for a while now, mm -hmm. but it's just interesting how that parallels that uh, that story. How much uh, before we go into like present day? How much of when you first started breaking was you wanting to be at least for me? Because when I first saw, I remember it was like I felt like those people were superhuman, you know. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I wanted to be, you know, knowing like the the backdrop where you were in, right? The the roughness of the city, like. 
being able to build that personal power for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it felt like was, I'm curious what, how you felt about it too, where it's like, yeah. especially as a kid, you're like, well, oh, that's awesome. I want to be awesome. Like have that, that power and be that center uh, yeah. of attention a little bit. Um, I'm just curious. All right. There's more to that. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, when you're a foster kid, you want to be the center of attention, but ironically you're not. So to be the center of attention, you have to have a purpose, but yet you need support. Um, even though I had different parents along the way, because I had different parents along the way, I couldn't get attached to parents. So what became my mother was the arts of hip hop, the discipline. Yeah. What became my father figure was Bruce Lee. Oh, what became my father figure was Bruce Lee. Yeah. So, cause you mentioned martial arts. And I was like, I want to be similar to what Bruce Lee is to martial arts and breaking, except I don't want to be the only one. I want to create a family of what that is. Yeah. So uh, you will constantly hear me refer to that as floor fam. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, I'm closer to floor fam than I am my actual family because I grew up in the streets. Yeah, no, but I get, yeah, the, the floor fan being right. the people who go through that. Exactly. That so, and because we come from the same place yeah. um, and you can actually, you know, like martial arts, you can tell somebody by their style, the way they dress, what kind right. of style they do. Breaking and hip hop is the same way. You see somebody like a graffiti artist on the train, chilling, or what they call really the core writers. You look at it, sneakers, see paint. Look at the mm. fingernails, you see paint, you know they're writers. Yeah. Breakers, you look, they might have a mock neck on, Lee's, yep. some brokeheads, you're like, right. yo, you get down? Yeah, what's the name of your crew? Conversation starts. Yeah. And either your friends or you find out that you're mortal enemies on the right. dance floor. <laughs> so it was really interesting to grow up with that. So, you know, what I wanted to be, when you hit, what you hear in hip hop is, um, you know, like the MC, right? Master ceremony or move the crowd. So to me, breaking, it's about breaking through with your personality on the dance floor. And it's not about the moves. It's about how you move the crowd around you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you're able to do that, it instills a self-confidence that's inexplicable. And for me, that's a different high than actual drugs. Yeah. So what do you, this is something we talk about. uh, Let's dig into it more. Like, what do we actually mean when we say not just doing moves, but move what what are we trying to accomplish when we're as as b boys or dancers trying to move the crowd? Like what what do we actually mean by that? Well, when you move the crowd, it's moving their spirit. You know, when it right. comes to black folk, we're moved by the spirit. Mm. And when you embody the spirit of a, of the community, it's a reflection of what the community is. In other words, they see you, and they see them in you and the way you move. Right. And because you move the way you do with excellence, it took moves to get there. Yeah. Discipline, a focus, a dedication. So it's a reflection of who you are and who the community is. And, you know, like they say, you know, um, by your, the company you keep, I could tell you who you are. Oh yeah. Right. And it's so by the way I move, people know the way I roll and, um, and who I roll with just by talking to me. And I want people to have an alternative on the block. You could be blocked by the actual block you live on. And I know it sounds redundant, but you have to sometimes speak poetically to catch the attention of the people. Yeah. And I learned that from the block. You know, you have dudes on the block who are storytellers. You have some who are liars. You have some who are comedians. And you take a bit of the best of everyone and you put it in yourself because then you are a representative of where you're coming from. And at the end of the day, it's bigger than just moving people. It's not just about moves, but the movement of a people. What yeah. came before hip hop, which was the civil rights movement. And if you break that down, we were fighting for rights just for people to be civil. Yeah. You know what I mean? And somebody really was like, nah, son, I'm not down nah, with that. Nah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what's up with that? So Black Panthers, Young Lords, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, you know, uh, JFK, the people who are down, the people who are allies to a movement of what it was like to be treated as a human was what I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. Hip hop was the next voice. Yeah. When the civil rights movement was like burnt to the ground morally, hip hop was like, I am still here. I am somebody. For instance, MCs that say, um, I am a somebody. Those are actual marching chants. 
I am somebody. Yeah. I am powerful words. Somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they took that away. And we were like, nope. Now we're gonna do to a rhythm. Yeah. I am a somebody. And we're like, yeah. You know what I mean? And it was um call and response. Say ho, ho. And you know, you look at, I don't know, an old school animation like um Thundercats. Thundercats, ho. It's a call. Yeah. To be aware of how great you really are. So, you know, I'll leave it at that because I can go all day. Now nah, we can but talk about all that, but that I'm hoping these <laughs> tidbits give people a hint that we're not just people that wake up and decide to spin in our heads and on our back and do these crazy moves. And in order to do those moves, you have to be in some kind of pain. Yeah. To to want to let it out and it and it be cathartic in, in that manner for you. You know what right. I mean? And then it, to impress the world for them to listen to your story then on the mic. And some of the best MCs and DJs started as breakers first mm. because you literally start on the ground, you're building from the ground up. Yeah. And if you use it as a discipline, like I said in the beginning, you are constantly rooted to what this is. You know yeah. what I mean? And to be rooted in the concrete, like grass that grows through the concrete, that means your roots run deep and strong. Right. Yeah, man, that's deep. And going back to the, the original point of like, the difference like moving people mm -hmm. is, you know, what people might call like a vibe, right? The feeling that vibe, mm -hmm. you, we feel the vibe because uh, we're naturally empathetic people. Like we naturally feel what others around us are feeling if it's authentic, right? if it's real, right? So we all, we've all know what it's like when someone's crying, but they're like, ah, they're kind of faking it. I'm not feeling <laughs> it. But we also know what it's like when somebody's like crying and like you almost want to cry, right? This is how we're built. Yeah. Same when someone's dancing, when someone's like, bringing you on so like they're, they're they're you're not watching them they're, they make you an active participant in what's happening right you feel the that. common word for that is like you feel the vibe and you're like even though they're doing something you can't do you feel like not only are they showing off it's like oh like i'm feeling what they're feeling and that's that's the best part about breaking to me or one of the best parts there's probably other parts but that's or, what i love about or it, any but. or any dance but in particular yeah. we're talking about black dance right yeah so i've witnessed many times when my brothers and sisters are going off and they catch the spirit. And we're like, yo, leave them alone. They're in the vibe right now. Yeah. Just let them have it. So as long as they need it. Right. And nobody goes out because you can tell it's more than just dance. They found something. They like, found something. Right? And yeah. we're, we're like, and we don't want it to stop. Don't nobody touch this. Yeah. 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 And yo, when you look around the pulsating and the different ways people are pulsating and giving to the energy and it's cyclical, cyclical energy that's happening is amazing. And then on top of that, the, the DJ is connected to that. Yeah. Especially ones that know how to, you know, DJ and are adding accents. And that person catching that spirit. Yeah, and it's something that's kind of missing now because everything has been taken apart and put in corners and only the commercial essence in order to make money and it, it to be consumed so it's being used right now so right now we're about to come full circle as to what that those cultural roots are so the dj to hip-hop really is the drummer right mm. um when you look at when you look when you hear hip-hop in its essence they call it boom bat right so you hear boom cat boom boom cat when you listen to the djembe drum it's made out of wood a tree so you hear that coo -coo -coo, then you hit a high coo -coo 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 yeah. That is what hip hop is. The root of a tree with the highs of life. And you use that to communicate the same thing that's engineered in the original hip hop when you hear the highs and you hear the lows. That's why the 808 is emulating. It sounds like you're emulating the bass of a djembe drum. When you hit the djembe drum right, boom, it's extended. And that's a vibration that you feel. Mm. And you engineer that right, especially through analog and analog sound, way different than a digital sound. Yeah. You're getting really close to what it feels like. That's why we respond to that. And either we come to life or we could be put to sleep by those same drums. So we got to be careful on how they're used and abused. Right. So it's deep, man. I can get get really deep with it, but right. you know, that boom bap is is what hip hop well, is. Well, yeah, we'll we'll do some more episodes on some of these subtopics because my, my brain is going and going, but I'm I do sure want, it is. I do want to talk about uh full circle though. So eventually you got to the point where you said, I want to have a crew and an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, so what was that point? And 
who were some of the first people in the crew, I guess? All right. So uh, I got to say this real quick. So Zulu Nation, Universal Zulu Nation was a blueprint for me mm-hmm. for what Full Circle could be. Because I, I thought there should be more organizations. And Zulu Nation was called the organization before it was called Zulu Nation. And it was emulating organizations before it. Mm-hmm. We all were influenced. Um by what was happening around us. And we knew we needed, you know, we, we knew we needed to be organized. So I was like, you know, you have Universal Zulu Nation, Zulu Kings. So I came up with Full Circle and Full Circle Soldiers, mm-hmm. right? And we needed different representations of what came from the hood. Cause people, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you need to understand what the difference between being ghetto and being from the ghetto. Right. And there's different representations of what ghetto is. And people have this thing, well, ghetto is this one thing when they put us in a box. And when you live in the hood, you realize what's there and the different representations. And I wanted that to be the full circle representation of what I was creating. You know what I mean? Plus, you know, some people grew up in Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, Staten Island. I was all over these boroughs because I was adopted. So I got to live everywhere and I got to see everyone for who they really were in their essence of their borough. Mm. And it, it made me well-rounded, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I became an all-city rocker. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, was like, I rocked the different styles according to where I went. So I'm like, I want to make something like that. And so I, first it was a crew. Then I realized this needs to be an organization because crews come and go. A crew's lifespan, for the most part, is four to five years. Yeah. If they last long, it could be 15 um, they much, they last much longer now because a, a breaker's lifespan back then was in your teens. And after you got into the 20s, you got into the club scene and work and family and the army and military. And you were done. But I knew this was going to be my life. And if this was going to be my life, I wanted to create something that was enable me to see every time I needed to learn something new and evolve with time and be with me at the speed of need. And sometimes that's fast, sometimes it's slow but you got to be able to rock with the ebb and flow. And I didn't mean to rhyme, but you know, right it comes out sometimes <laughs> like that. Um, and so then I said, all right, I'm going to make a, uh, what was it? Um, uh, a, poor, no, a poor man's copyright. Mm. So I wrote everything down with intention, mailed it to myself. Boom. That was going to be an organization. I run into a young lady by the name of Anna Garcia, who's my wife. And she ended up being named Rockefeller. Anyway, she does the interview with me that all women do. Yeah. One of the questions was, what's your goal? And so I was breaking down hip hop and I, I told her what I want a full circle to be. And she goes, I want to be down with that. And then we run into someone else who's like, listen, this is someone else who's going to stop their dance company. And we went yeah. up to them after the performance and said, don't stop. We got this thing in mind called full circle. If you want to rock with us and give yourself a break, cool. She said, I appreciate it. Her name was Violet. She had a thing called keep rising to the top and she goes, I like your idea. I know you want to turn into not-for-profit. Here's the office you can go to downtown. So life puts things in your path according to your intention and your meditation about it. Yeah. And so before you know it, um, by 1996, we were on our path to being incorporated as a not-for-profit. Yeah. 501c3 happened by 97. And that's the story of Full Circle and how it was created. So Full Circle Productions Incorporated is the official name. Full Circle Soldiers are the members who rock in different ways, whether on the mic, floor, MC, you know what I mean? Or yeah. turntables. And then we have the Legacy Crew, which is Fresh Kids. That crew is from Brooklyn, Coney Island. Yeah. And they have their own legacy called Break Till Dawn, which started in, 19, I think, 78 or 79. Yeah. And Brooklyn's my hometown, you know what I mean? And when you have a trajectory like that, now you have a bedrock of history. And in a snapshot, that's what Full Circle is about. And we've been doing this kind of work, hip hop, cultural activation for about coming on 30, 30 years now. Damn. Long, long time. time. Yeah. Long, long time, time, man. Yeah. So basically what that means is he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> nah. But definitely, I think, I, think, I think it's really important. I'm glad we're finally having this, this actual interview. I've talked, I mean, I've talked to Quick about this. I mean, we've both talked quick about all this stuff uh, constantly, but I think that's why it's so important to to get this out there um, and in long form format too, right? Obviously on Instagram and stuff like that, people right. put tidbits out, but it's nice to have like a more cohesive format where we can see 
or, you know, get insight to some of your life and, and the history of, of hip hop um, from someone who's still doing it, right? There's a lot of people too, like you said, um, right. who are part of the scene, who are out of it. Not that that's bad, but uh, it's nice that you're, you're still active, uh, an active participant. And that brings us into uh, today. Um, so all of those things, right? You created Full Circle, mm-hmm. um, kind of looking at prior organizations, knowing that you wanted to emulate something. Um, today, you are working on, let's say, cultural activation. Um, I'm on, you know, the board of Full Circle. Uh, Quick picked me up, by the way. So I was in New York. I lived in New York City, as most of you are aware, for a while. Um, I think six years or so. Uh, maybe five years. Um, I was training at Brooklyn Zoo. And Quick was like, your form is terrible. Are you working with anybody? He said it nicer than that. That's basically what he said. He was <laughs> like, hey, you, you, is anybody training you? Um, I was like, nah, I just moved here. You know, I'm just practicing. And uh, he basically said, he said, well, you can come to our practice and basically, you know, we'll try you out and you try us out. Um, and then eventually, I'm, I'm doing the short version, eventually, I got into the crew, but then I was on the board because uh, I do, you know, all the all the stuff that I do, um, and and a big part of of our crew is everybody giving uh, whatever it is they have to give. So um, happy to do it. Cultural activation. Um, yeah. So what are you what are you working on now? Like, what's the? Well, yeah. So this, you know, I call it cultural activation because some people are asleep, yeah, and they don't even know it, but they're right. asleep at the wheel. They're on autopilot because society can make you into that. So because I break, I'm able to break through constantly and breaking will break you down and constantly build you back up. It's kind of like, um, how can I say, um, your body is constantly going through that, yeah. but we don't go through that spiritually. True hip hop culture will, will put you in that state constantly. And it's great to be in that state because people are around you who help to build you up and they will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. So when I saw you, I was like, this dude needs to hear some truth right now, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to offer him something. You have to be open to receive that truth too. Right. Yeah. Um, because for instance, we were in that practice spot and there's different vibes at different times, but nobody was really saying anything to you for three months. I was watching you for three months Yeah. and I was like, okay, nobody's going to say anything. Let me see what this dude is about. So that being said, you don't get until you ask being a not-for-profit People ask me, why did you want to do not-for-profit? It's because I want to be accountable for my actions. Mm. And so when you get funding, I'm fast forwarding now, when you finally get grants, it's on a thing called GuideStar and it tells people what you got and what you're spending it on. And that's more to be accountable for the people who give you grants so they know you're responsible like for the final report. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which is a big deal, especially for, you know, uh, a foundation like the Ford Foundation, right? Right. They scrutinize, um, I can tell you like these, these big organizations, right? They might have a lot of money to give or there's that perception, but they have a lot of choices too, of who to give that to, which is why they scrutinize so heavily, you know, how the dollars are being spent. Exactly. And to get something from the Fall Foundation, when you get it, everybody knows like you have to have your ducks in a row. Now, that being said, when you have a crew, I like to, I like to, I'm an all-around breaker, like being an all-around gymnast. Mm. You get props for winning the medals in every event. That's the way I like to break because I like to be well-rounded, hence full circle. Full circle has a lot of different meanings within the crew, but also extend that to the women because they bring a lot to the table that men don't bring. Not that we can't, that we don't. Yeah. But we learn how to. Same way when we expose them to who we are. So my full circle productions would be a different thing if my wife wasn't involved. Right. What she brings to the table is invaluable. It's a lot. If y'all knew Rock, like she, she brings a lot to the table, man. She's, she's a, a character. So yeah, it, the crew would be very different <laughs> if Rock was not there, I can tell you that. Right. So she's definitely my rock. You know what I mean? Um, she's my fire, but I'm the water. So yeah. fire and water create steam. That's what gets the engine to go. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that's who we are. And we, we value, value each other for what we bring to the table. Administratively, it's crazy what she brings. But when I go out and talk to people and get people to, you know, put into what we do, that's something that I'm really good at. Yeah. Why? 
because I was on the scene as a as a guy, I could talk to everybody and anybody. Women can't do that in hip hop. Yeah. Because it, guys take that differently. So for instance, we go out uh, and we're just on the scene. I'm like, yo, look at this band. I'm going to go get these, these guys' cars, especially the drummer and the saxophone player. She's like, why, why are you doing that? You'll see. <laughs> Five years later, she's like, oh, I, I want to get a band together. I'm going to get these people. I'm like, mm, let me go into my roller decks. <laughs> Boom, right? And it's a virtual roller decks. It's not an old school roller decks. I'm just making reference, but yeah. I am from that era. <laughs> so either or yeah either or right so then I, I make these phone calls and because the way I vibe with them as a man who's like open they're like yo I like this dude's vibe and then they get introduced to rock they're like yo I like her vibe yo they're married oh yo this is a vibe yeah yo let's get down with the get down and then before you know it we're working on an organic production that then moves people so rock bring, and so in order to get that to happen now rock's making other kinds of phone calls when it comes to talk to the uh, venue and doing all the emails. Yeah. You know I mean? And I'll get on maybe halfway through the emails and she'll remind me, um, you forgot to get on his email, but oh, right. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, for instance, basic, her typing skills are crazy. I'm like one finger bandit. Yeah. Now it takes me a while to come up with email and yeah, I use more than one finger, but my heart goes into it. You know what I mean? So then she'll use her skill as, when she was working in the office, then we'll put those, those, those two things together, send out an email and people are like, wow, this is professional and heartfelt. It's how we got the grant. Yeah. You know what I mean? So never, ever underestimate the people around you. You need a team. Somebody's got to make the cold calls. Yeah. Somebody's got to follow up. Somebody's got to make the emails happen and be formatted the way people are going to see it professionally, but also feel it in their soul. So the more people you have around you and women are involved, the more successful you're going to be. That, that, that was my whole point of that. So yeah. we make that, we make up that fire and water and we steam and forge ahead. That's powerful. What is the, uh, so, I mean, I, I would say plus 9,000 on having a team. I mean, uh, I've talked about that before. I think on, on one of the episodes of this podcast, just like, don't try to do everything. Um, no. You will not get far. You know, I've had that problem. I'm sure a lot of people have that problem is like, you're good at a lot of stuff. So I'll right. just do it. But then it comes down to a time thing. Like there is an infinite time. So, you know, spend your time doing what you're really good at, get somebody else to do the stuff they're really good at uh, and just focus on that. But what, what do you, what's your goal now? So you got the, you got the grant, mm -hmm. uh, you're here in Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few other places you're focused on. What is it that you're really trying to help the scene with? Uh, there's a problem Right. I'd say that from your perspective, and let's just say there's, there's a lot of things that we could be working on in the scene. It, is, it doesn't have to be perfect, but what, what's the thing that you're trying to improve or really help people with right now? Right now you have, so the event comes from jams, mm -hmm. right? What they're doing now, they call it events, but it comes from the jam perspective when it was organic. What, what, what is a jam? I want to explain. The jam, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get super uh, simple. Yeah. Jam is to, is to, is on the bread and it, it is to what, the jam is with the sweetest to peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Without the jam, peanut butter would just be dry, mm. right? So the jam is sweet. Yeah. The jam is sensual. The jam is something you look forward to taking in. So when you go to a jam is where people are open. The chakras are open because the DJ knows what jams to play, yeah. right? So the people come there and when you go to a jam, it is a place where the music is funky. Everything is at a high level from the MC to the music, to the dance. So an original hip hop jam is literally an MC, break beats and breakers, B-boys yeah. for the most part, B-girls too. And if you can get B-boys and B-girls to follow you as a DJ and you have dope MCs who want to rock with you because you know how to rock on the turntables, you got yourself a real hip hop jam. That started to evolve from battles. And then on occasional instances, you had contests. Right. So maybe battles were 90% of the scene. Contests were 10% less. 
Now it's the opposite. So now we'll fast forward into 2022, where commercially events are 90% of the scene. Yeah. Jams are 10% or even less of the scene. Yeah. Battles rarely happen, but contests do. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So we need to get back to the cultural activation as to the original hip hop blueprint, which is an organic essence, which sprouts at a jam where people can actually grow through community activation, which is the consciousness of the lyricism with um, the synchronization of the DJ, which makes the people move, which then creates soldiers, S-O-U-L-J-A-H-S, which battle in the cypher. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when you see that happen in synchronicity, it's inexplicable. I tell people, you will know hip hop culture when you feel it. It's not something that you really see. Yeah. It's something that you feel. And when you go to a jam, by the time the jam is over, and you come out of the, wherever the jam was being held, it takes about two hours or three hours for people to disperse. Their chakras are open and they're all talking. Yeah, I would just happen at the jam and then they go into politics. Then they go into, yo, so what do you think about the first, you know, how, how was the universe created? It's amazing what people start to talk about. And that's when you know you're at a jam. That sweet vibe begins to um, fuel who you are and whatever you do. Yeah, there's something you want to touch on? I see Ryan. That's a beautiful uh, topic because I grew up with the Italian jams in the 90s that were unexplicable, like... Quick said, you had, you had to experience that energy. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. For one of the best memories I have is when you go to a jam and from like distance you hear the boom bap, mm-hmm. the music from far away. Yeah, you, your heart starts starts racing. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Then you go to a jam and it's a totally different world. You feel that energy and. Uh, the the most beautiful thing is that all the people around was there for the same purpose. That was enjoy the music, battle in the cipher, but rep- we represented something in common. And uh, that's something that I miss right now when I go to an event, yeah. to a contest, because uh, the, the energy is focused on competition and uh, results, not, not the experience, not the, the sharing. The, the analogy I was going to make is, and you explained it pretty well, is like a jam is like going to a house party, right? Like yeah. think, of, think of the best house party you ever went to, everybody's friends, the, there may or may not be a DJ, but you probably know the DJ, right? You're behind the booth with them, drinking with them, whatever, hanging out, somebody you know, they're a peer of yours. Uh, it's something that everybody's involved in, right? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's a exactly. part of the party. A if there's a, of the party, yeah. There's a dance battle, yeah. it's just between two people at the party, who it is there to, to party, right? That's kind of how a, a jam is. Everybody is there to groove out, dance. If battles happen because people don't like each other, maybe they're rivals, it happens, but then you fall back into the party. A contest, you've got the participants and then you've got the audience, yeah. right? And you buy a ticket and you sit in your seat and then you watch the people who are in the contest, mm-hmm. which is cool in its own ways, right? But it's not, it's not a jam, it's not a house party. Right. You're not a participant, you're a viewer watching people who are trying to compete for that. Yeah that outcome when there's winners and losers. You go to a house party and there's a dance battle, we don't stop and go, hey, this guy is uh, in first place. No, it doesn't stop. You just know who won or lost, right? It's like, oh, right. that guy walked off with his head down, he got he got smoked, right? That's, that's how the winners and losers are chosen in a natural cypher jam environment versus a contest where we judge. Each have their merits, but I think when you don't have that when the entire scene, when the entire culture is now just contest, right. you're losing the, the part of it actually created the, the thing in the first place, yeah, the, right? The, the balance is missing. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm not saying that events are bad, they have their purpose. Right. Yeah. But if you had that balance with jams, then people are coming from place to bring that to the actual event. What's happening is that people grew up with now events and they think, oh, this is the thing I need to aspire to. Right. No. When you live around the way, now let's be clear, we're talking about, you know, we're not just talking about any house party, we're talking about black centric house parties. Right. That's a different vibe. You ever been to a house party in <laughs> Universal, what black is, y'all know what we're talking about. Yeah. And just different types. And if you want to get a little clue, you can look at the commercial movie called House Party with Kid and Play. I don't know if you remember that movie. But I don't think I've seen you, that one. If you haven't seen it, it 
when you see it, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, this some of this, some of the stuff in here is true. But it's kind of it's kind of dope. So, you know, when you come from the essence, you know, it's when I've been to events with people who come from the jam environment, the audience completely changes. People are like, yo, what is this? I'm like, this is where the jam is. Yeah. This and this is just one person on stage. Imagine going to a place where everybody feels like this. Mm. And the DJ feels like this, you know? Because a lot of events also the DJs are not connected to where the jams come from. They have a particular playlist of what they like and what they've learned through a different environment which exists like on platform on social media platforms. Yeah. And on so social media platforms, you get a snippet of what things feel like. And a lot of times the DJs give you snippets of what they've been exposed to. When you go to a jam, it's in its entirety. You know what I mean? You understand the soul food of the people and whatever particular genre you're being exposed to. Now jams exist in different ways. You have, you know, footwork jams in Chicago, you have surfing, you have light feet, you have break in, you have pop and you have lock in. But now you have to do the work to be exposed to all of these things that are represented at an event. And it's your job as a curator and a host to keep that jam vibe going. Yeah. Because at a jam, you battle. At an event, it's a contest. Right. And the reason it's called a battle because of where we come from as an oppressed people. We had to battle for the right to be heard and earn a social status. You're a ghetto celebrity. And a lot of times, that's all you have. And if somebody's coming trying to take that from you, you fight tooth and nail for that. It's on. And yeah. it takes a skill level to be able to do that. Nobody is going to take anything less. So, you know, there, there's a lot in that. We can go episodes on that. But I'm hoping yeah. people get to what we're trying to say, that there is a difference between what you're seeing as contest and um, snippets on TikTok and Instagram as opposed to seeing it live and direct. That's another thing in hip-hop experiencing it live and direct <clears throat> experience live and it affects you directly. And if you become, um, not just a participant, but, uh, an actual, um, practitioner. Yeah. By the time you go to do it, you know, somebody that maybe at a contest or an event will do a wave, let's say a chest wave, where's the camera over there? And it's like, <clears throat> it's kind of a little bit in, it could be, in, it can be incomplete when they experience jams, when they do it at an event, boom, there's something different in it and how they're doing it because their cells remember what they experienced at a jam, right? which is way different than what you're experiencing at an event. And I'm hoping that people understand now, I want to go experience a jam. I, I want to go look up what a jam is. And when you do that, you got to take yourself there. Don't try to get on, you know, um, TikTok. Don't try to get an Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Um, it's funny. It's an Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. <or>, no. <laughs> no um, what's the other thing? Um, or the Zoom parties. Yeah. Or uh, what's the other thing? Um, I can't think of it right now. Uh, but anything that allows you to feel it from, you know, a streaming platform. Yeah. It's cool. It's where we're at right now. But the best stream to feel is the stream that you're, that you're feeling live and direct. And it's what we call a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, man, I, there's so much I can say. The, the one, one thing I want to talk about is like the, the most interesting thing is as we elevate the contest side, it's like it used to be, you know, you'd have a circle and people dance in the circle. You had chairs on the side and then we put a stage and it's almost like you're getting further and further and further away right. from the thing. But like the original battles, like when you, when you battle someone at a house party, um, or at a jam and there's a natural cipher, it's like, you gotta be, not only are you battling this person, but it's like, you don't have space. There's like you, everyone's literally a part of it. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're in the way almost. Right. So people back up, but like, even when you're asking people to back up, you're like, yo, like you're, you're touching people. Like they're right. involved. You're like, yo bro, you need to move. Like you're interacting with the crowd because it's a requirement versus, uh, you putting on a performance for the judges, mm -hmm. for your opponent and mm -hmm. for the crowd. So much we could talk about there, but let's, let's get back to, so this is what, this is what you think is, is obviously um, so, out of balance and why you're investing so much right. of so, your time, right. energy and resources. And each region is different. So we're yeah. coming from New York with what worked for us, what we're still struggling with because everyone around the world is struggling with, but to some degree we're successful at 
maintaining what this cultural essence is. Mm. So we're coming with a blueprint. Let's, for instance, we're coming to Ohio because they have a deep scene, but it's been damaged by the lack of. Shout out to Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. <laughs> and 10K movement and far as getting gone. Um, and so it's not telling people what to do, but what is possible for them. Mm. Blueprint, boom, go through it. Use it how it works for you. Right. And so we had Zoom meetings with them, which is very useful to get to the essence, which is live and direct. So these platforms are useful to get to the soul of what this is about, which is the goal is to do it live and direct in front of people and get to the jam essence. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. So they came up with a, uh, a name, um, the Torch Cypher, uh, Hip Hop Cultural Exchange. I was like, great. I didn't come up with that name. Right. Well, they said... Uh, what is it? Uh, I think they said cultural hip hop exhibition. I was like, no, let's not do exhibition. Let's do exchange. an exchange. That's yeah. what they was like. Oh, we like that. So they came up with most of it. I came up with a little idea so they can run with it. But like, yo, we cool with that. And they were saying like, yo, this is one of the most heartfelt zooms we've had in the last two years. Cause everybody has an agenda. This is not about an agenda. Right. It's about the people. About being a catalyst. It's about being a catalyst and giving them the tools to, do it the way they feel to do it. So now we're going to come with, we're going to Theodore, my wife Rockefeller, DJ DP, one from the heavy hitters. And we're coming with simple things like trajectory, tradition, and technique. Mm. Because someone like Rand was a Theodore, he invented the scratch a long time ago. But he also implemented the blueprint as to what Serato is today, which every DJ uses. And he was one of the guys who, who put the ideas in there along with um, Jazzy J, mm. right? Original Jazzy J from New York City. So he has a lot to say about how things can move forward, the future. But sometimes going back can slingshot you way into the future. The way breakbeats are being played today is way different than how they were being curated back then. I can imagine, yeah. Right? So now original breakbeats, you play them now, this generation, they don't know what they are. So it's new to them. Right. Then I would tell them with the tools you have today, you can learn how the DJs back then curated it. Now, how are you going to flip that curation? How are you going to curate it? But use it as a blueprint. You want to do it like that for a little while? Do it like that. So myself, I heard, I heard breaks played in a certain order. So when I started to do it on my own as a DJ, I'm known as DJ KS360. I was like, I'm going to curate it in this way. Because as a dancer, I know if I heard this first and someone played this after that and this record after that, I'm like, I go bonkers. Yeah. But this is what I'm feeling. Now I got to test it in the public's eye and the, the third eye in their soul. How right. are they going to respond to it? And when I did it, they were like, yo, this is bananas. And then I got the approval of like Ryan with the Theodore, Jazzy J. It was like, oh, I thought it was the only one that had that record. And you flipped it like this. So now I'm getting the head nod of the past, rocking in the present. And I'm affecting future generations. That's dope. So that's our goal with this and give them the tools so they can do the same in each of the regions. And right now I'm in meetings with people in Miami, such as Speedy Legs, um, Zayku from Breaking MIA, Lego from Flipside Kings. Um, I don't want to forget their names. Oh, Miami Light Project. And oh, the hip hop. Oh, um, a hip hop um, organization by the name of Path. Yeah. That's already five. And it's, and you know, it's about, and who else? Uh, the Graffiti Museum. Yeah. Beta. I mean, there's so many people, but the goal is to bring all of these people together to talk about what they've been through, how they got through and how they can continue yeah. together and come up with an event or give them stipends for each and every one of their events. Um, Cause you know, yeah, we got a Ford Foundation grant, but it's not as much money as people think, but it's enough to set something in motion. And that's what we're doing in each region, probably yeah. about six or seven, the six or seven that I mentioned. And the most important part about it, you know, from my mind is you're putting your money where your mouth is like literally, you know, uh, you could have, you could have focused on one place, you know, but you know, you really stuck to what you believe in, you know, letting people, you know, believing in people to, to know what their, uh, best, how to kind of organize their region. Um, you know, after you've kind of given your, your advice and, you know, your perspective on what it's lacking overall. Um, and so I, I think that's great in being a catalyst. I, I think it's one of the best ways to, to help people is, is basically find people who are already trying to 
affect change and then, um, you know, enable them. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, together, really bring them together too. That's a big thing. Um, there's a lot we, we could talk about and in, in breaking in our culture. Yeah. Um, and even do it new to you, but even do it when you don't have money. Look, in the beginning yeah. of the pandemic, there was no money going around. Right. And we were doing it. It's on my Instagram page. And you can follow me there. DJ KS 360 called rock behind the groove, rock the block. It's a, it's a party I've been doing for the past 10 years. Yeah. There were no parties happening. So there was this, you know, black owned coffee shop uh, called a boogie down grind. And, you know, rock did a couple of things there. Full circle did a couple of things there. Um, and we were like, we asked the owner, could we rock here? Cause we, we can't rock no place else. Yeah. And it was literally outside on the corner, on the block called the rock, the block, get behind the groove. And we were there from the summer, no, the end of summer, all the way into November, started getting cold. We were like, Yo, let's do this. And what kept the fire going and kept me warm was I knew there were young people watching what we were doing. Yeah. And I remember being young, feeling the music, feeling that boom bap, feeling that soul. And then there were the elders from Hunts Point in the Bronx going, yo, you're bringing the real. And that gave me confirmation just from strangers. And when your people tell you, yeah, or they're in the crowd, like, mm. you know, there was an older lady, 65, moving her hips like she was 25. Wow. And I knew I was doing the right thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And sometimes you have to get back to the roots to grow in order to feed the people. And that's what we're doing, man. Yeah, man. That's awesome, man. Uh, I don't got anything else to say on that. I mean, <laughs> we, we could talk forever. Um, Paolo, any, any, anything else you want to bring over the top real quick? Uh, yes. I would like to mention, be back to the fact that when you spoke about the ghetto mentality from being that kind of stuff, I would like to say that uh, I come from, not from the ghetto, uh, my hometown is a nice place and I, I grew up with a good family. Uh, but ghetto could be something mental too. Mm -hmm. And uh, what pushed me to put a lot of effort in the breaking, in breaking is that over there I recognize freedom for me because uh, every kid in my, in my hometown in Italy in general looks like the same. And uh, everybody grew up with a, with a, a path that is very, very common. Was, I mean, I, I speak for my generation, was yeah. very, very common. So go to school, find a job, get a wife. And uh, this was really, really, really the normal path. And in my area, this is very, very local, very small. Everybody looks the same. And if you do something a little different, they look strange, they judge you. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Everybody played soccer, all my friends. I was terrible in all the, sp <laughs> in all the sports. Yeah. I was terrible because I don't felt comfortable, was sh shy. So when I saw breaking, I saw something totally different that set me in another perspective. Mm -hmm. So I said, I want to do that. I want to be that, not just not just the move, but I mm. want to be that kind of energy. Yeah. That kind of different wave of, of being. You want to join that vibe. Of being, yeah. 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 And that was amazing because it was really hard, as is today. <laughs> it still, <laughs> still is. is. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was something that opened my mind because when I was 15, 16 years old, I took train to go to jams and meet people from all part of Italy mm -hmm. while all my other friends stay at home watching football and drinking beer and do the same shit. <laughs> and uh, I had the true breaking. I had the opportunity, the possibility to open and to see the world, start traveling, stay here with you. And they still, this process is still active. Right. And uh, that's what brings me out of the ghetto for me. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, that, that's that global. Uh, sorry that for organic. my English. I want to apologize if nah, it's, okay. it's good. It's good. Uh, your English is literally good. No, but uh, yeah, that's that global, like cultural, like, you know, the jam. Imagine if the first thing you went to was a contest, right? It'd probably be different because you wouldn't be a participant. You'd be watching it'd be like going to a football game exactly right and you're sitting in a chair 
But since you went to a gym, you know, they were, they were probably like, yo, you're going to get down, yeah. you know, cause you were, you're a participant. Yeah. You know? right. uh, I felt connected with people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's the reason why after a while, like, uh, in Italy, the, the contest scene started like in the early two thousands, uh, they start to organize a lot of contests and the gems really fade, faded mm-hmm. and was something new. So we, me with my crew participated to the contest, but we didn't recognize ourselves in that environment. Mm. And this is the reason why from 2010, I started to organize a gem in my hometown that is called Pavimento Fertile. That means uh, fertile ground because mm. nice. it comes from the idea that we cultivate something on the floor, ideas, expressions, so the floor is our ground for cultivate something. Yeah. And uh, I was surprised because it started in, uh, in my studio. I, from uh, uh, 2003 to 2017, I opened and managed uh, a dance studio in my own town. And uh, also uh, with a nonprofit organization. So we like, we, we share the same uh, <laughs> ideas and uh i start organize this event inside the, the the studio that actually was a small place but i was surprised how affected people that was searching for that that was missing right. so after a while people loved that and yeah. uh it was really dope. And uh, right now I'm trying to evolve the concept and still organizing, uh, with my, my goal right now is to maintain the same vibe of the jam environment, Mm -hmm. adding quality for the music involving live musicians and, uh, bands, good DJs and guests in the cypher. Right. Yeah. Because what I don't, what I think is not, good is when you go to an event you have this international dancer incredible dancer that just sit down all day long and do it like this <laughs> judging right? oh, judging yeah. you know yeah well, you invite a dope dancer and you don't see dance so you mean you want to you want to create something where i want to create still a contest but there yeah it's a jam in the cypher with special guests in the cypher oh i see so right so That's people legit. can can share with them and dance together. Right. Cause a lot of times when you go to these, when you're invited to these contests and events, you're sitting for three or four hours. Yeah. Then I go, all right, now here to showcase. Yeah. It's so-and-so from Italy, so-and-so from the United States and then so-and-so from Germany. And when I've been a part of those, I talk to the judges. I'm like, yo, we're going to do it together. Yeah. And those have been the best showcases, but 98% of the time showcases don't, really show who yeah. you are because who you are is when you vibe in a cypher. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who don't know what a cypher is, original cypher is a cypher that was on the corners by brothers and sisters, well, brothers who are called five percenters. These are people, just to keep it short, five, who the 5% in the world who know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And they would, they would build in a cypher on the corner, right? And it had codes in the way they talked. Circles were what dancers were a part of. The name Cypher, to me, became a part of the language and dance because we began to break down knowledge in the way that we moved and moved people. When you watch somebody move and break, it's like watching algebra unfold in front of you. The way people are freezing, going to the next freeze into a spin, up, down, they're creating a language. It's like a sentence. And everybody is adding sentences and it becomes a paragraph. And a jam at the end of the night is a book of history that you would never forget. It's in your memory and it's in your cell memory. That's beyond the circle to me. Right. That's cipher building for you and everyone around you. And when it's international, it's even, it's tenfold. So it's amazing that people have the same mindset, but we are set on a path of fear of doing something different than what's already happening. So right now the common ground is an event. And throwing a jam is like, why are they doing that? There's no money involved. They're just doing it because now nah, I'm going to go to this. But there's a lot of people who want to experience the jam. Yeah. And there's, 
So we're bringing it, you know, we're bringing it back it's a, full it, circle. It's an international language, you know, it's, you, you can't describe the description again, thinking like the house party analogy, like go to a place and to have an exchange with somebody who maybe you can't even speak with, right? And you're speaking only through movement, um, you know, is something that probably all of us here have experienced, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's like a spiritual, it's a spiritual moment, yeah. right? To be able to share a circle with somebody and then shake their hand. And that's really all you can say. Like mm-hmm. maybe, you know, a few words, but you know, luckily you know English, but it's, it's a- At the beginning it was not like this. Right, right. Yeah. But it's, it's truly a beautiful thing. So um, this has been a long one. We'll shoot some more, I promise. <laughs> right. Uh, but we do, have, we do have to wrap Let this. us know if you like it. Um, if it's something inter- you know, interesting, uh, interesting to you, yeah. Let us know, man, and uh, we can break over some more stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, quick, how can they reach you? What's your Instagram handle? Uh, DJKS360 uh, on Facebook. They took away my name, Quickstep. So it's Gabriel Dionisio, but underneath that in parentheses, you see Quickstep. K-W-I-K-S-T-E-P. Um, La Roca. Mm, let me see. Oh, La, La Rockefeller is on uh, Instagram. That's my wife. And she's known as as Anna Rockefeller Garcia on Facebook. Cool. Yeah, I'll put that in the description of the video um, down below. So check that out. Obviously, I'm Forrest, Forrest the Investor. Uh, Paolo, how can they find you? Uh, I have Instagram uh, page. Uh, you can find me uh, Frigo, Frigo, Frigo. It's my name three times. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And the page for the event is Pavimento Fertile. Awesome. I'll put those, those links down in the description yeah. as well. Per usual, uh, hit subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, we deserve it at this point. Uh, let me know if you like this type of content. Uh, I do, so I'm gonna make more of it anyways, but definitely want your feedback. Um, ton of history here, y'all. Uh, breaking is a big part of my life. Uh, I know we talk a lot about mindset and finance and all of that, but I spent a lot of time doing this. Um, you know, Obviously, you watch my page, you can see some of that. Um, but it's a massive part of my life, probably more than you might expect. So let me know your thoughts. If you have questions, you can hit them up directly. You can hit me up, yeah. bring them back. Um, but yeah, see you in the next one. Peace. Thanks for the invite, man. Thanks, yeah, man. man.